Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sitting on my sofa on a very hot uh, and humid uh, afternoon here in France. I'm feeling very tired. I'm feeling a bit weird. I'm feeling sort of uh, disappointed and a bit shocked and slightly stunned by the result of the referendum, which came in this morning. It's um, June the 24th today. And uh, the the result of the UK's referendum on Europe came in this morning. I stayed up very late last night watching uh, BBC News. I watched their coverage of the um, the referendum results as they came in. And I expect that most of you listening to this now will know. You've probably seen the news. I don't know where you are in the world, but uh, I'm sure it's a big story. It certainly is uh, in Europe, definitely in the UK. You can't miss it. Anyway, the result is that the UK has voted to leave the European Union. That's right. The vote came through as leave. Unbelievable, right? Um, The the actual final result uh, was 52% voted leave and 48% voted remain. So it's a very slim margin. But there it is, leave. So the UK is going to leave the European Union. That's it. Um... That's basically it. That's the result. Now, there might be people campaigning for another referendum or people campaigning to have, um, um, uh, I don't know, people are going to campaign against the, the, the result in some way. But I think basically that's it. Um, the UK is going to leave the European Union. Uh, I was wrong. I predicted that we would get a Remain result. Obviously, I was wrong. Also, the bookmakers, Ladbrokes and other gambling uh, companies were wrong as well. The polls, um, and I, I mean opinion polls, not Polish people. Uh, more more about that kind of stupid joke type thing later on. Uh, the polls, well, they were 50-50 all the way up to the end, weren't they? Uh, but there it is, yeah, 52% leave. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. That was a joke. Did you notice? Uh, horrible joke. This might not be the time, to be honest, for making jokes. And I'm, I'm not really in the mood, to be honest. I'm not in the right state of mind for coming out with hilarious humour um, in these conditions. I'm, I'm struggling today. I'll be honest, I'm struggling. To be honest, I, I probably should be lying down on the sofa, um, drinking a cool glass of um, iced tea or maybe a, a nice, tall, cool, chilled beer or uh, or some other type of alcoholic beverage. I don't know, really. I don't know. I'm not at work today. In fact, I haven't been at work this week because um, uh, the university classes have finished uh, and I've marked all my exam papers and stuff. I've finished all that. Um, and um, so I'm in a period between university classes and uh, summer English classes starting at uh, the British Council where I work. In July, the, I'm going to be working all day, every day, teaching intensive general English courses to adults. Um, so I've got like a little bit of spare time. Um, I, I should be using that time to work on some online uh, teaching projects that I want to, to get started um, anyway, that's just why I've I've had a bit of spare time recently, and that's why I've uploaded a lot of content lately. And here's another one. So yeah, the UK is going to going to go out. Um, so I thought that I would record this episode of the podcast just to sort of give a bit of instant coverage to the story. It's it's a bit like breaking news, I suppose. Uh, the UK is going to leave the European Union. Um, obviously, this podcast is for people learning English, and um, my aims for episodes of this podcast are really f- to help you to learn English. But um, I, how could I not talk about this this subject? Uh, also, 
loads of my listeners have left comments on Facebook and comments on my website uh, talking about this, uh, asking me my opinion on this. And so naturally, I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more here in, on the podcast. So some more politics today in this episode. Um, now, I haven't planned this fully. This, this is a, obviously a huge story, um, uh, hugely significant. This is maybe one of the biggest decisions to have taken place in the UK for, for decades, decades and decades. It's a massive deal. It could involve a huge shakeup. Um, it could change everything, really. Um, we don't know, really, what's going to happen. That's one of the main problems here. There's a huge level of uncertainty now about what's going to happen in the future. Um, we really don't know. I mean, we can speculate. We can kind of predict some of the outcomes. Um, but um, ultimately, we don't know. Um, now, there have already been effects of uh, of the result, uh, the result that came in less than twelve hours ago, there have already been effects. First of all, um, the the value of of pound sterling, the, the British currency. So the British pound has plummeted in value. It's dropped significantly. In fact, it's dropped in value. It's dropped to a lower level. Wait a minute. Let me get that sentence right. So the pound has dropped uh, lower. Uh, than at any other time since 1985. So since 1985, this is the lowest the pound has been since then. So it's 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 absolutely plummeted down to a very low level, um, and the stock markets have crashed. This is all. This has already had a, a really significant effect on the financial markets, um, and this is going to send uh, ripple effects throughout uh, markets in the world. Because, of course, you know, the financial markets are all linked. All the currencies are uh, sort of dependent on each other. So a big thing like this is going to have after effects around the world. As the pound drops in value, other currencies will go up in value. And this is going to have lots of effects. Um, now, it's, it's difficult really to understand how um, some um, financial changes like that uh, will have immediate effects on our lives as individuals. But when the pound drops in value, that basically means that uh, imports are going to become more expensive. It's going to be more expensive for us to buy products imported from abroad. Um, and, you know, lots of other things, lots of other things. Essentially, confidence has been badly affected by this result. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the instant result on the economy has definitely been negative. In fact, I think Morgan Stanley, um, a firm that works in the city, Morgan Stanley, I think, have announced that that something like 2,000 jobs are now in question, and they plan to move 2,000 of their jobs into the European Union. So 2,000 jobs in the UK are going to be lost, um, and that's probably just the start. Um, there could be, you know, lots of jobs lost in other parts of the, the country. Um, uh, so it's it's a huge subject and there are so many different aspects to talk about. And I've already talked about a lot of it um, in previous episodes. Um, so I can't really cover all of it. I mean, the BBC have been doing cov- very, very good coverage on this um, for the last uh, 12 hours. I guess. And and so you can just switch on BBC World News and get some really good rolling coverage of this. What I should probably do is just give you my thoughts and feelings and opinions on it. So what I'm going to try and do is just tell you what how I feel. Um, and um, as I said, I haven't really prepared a lot here because I couldn't. I mean, there's just too much to prepare. And if I tried to to write out very carefully prepared answers with all the f- significant figures and quotes and things, then I'd be here all day, to be honest. And you can go to the BBC and you can just, uh, you can Google it, as as Paul Taylor might say. In this case, maybe it's a good, uh, it's a good option. You just Google it, you know. Uh, but if you want to know how I feel about it, then listen on, because that's what I'm going to talk to you about. So not much preparation. So in typical podcast fashion. I'm going to ramble um, my way through this episode. I have written some questions down here, which um, should give me some vague structure. So I'm going to talk to you about what's the situation now? Um, What's my situation? What am I doing? And I've, I've told you about that. I'm sitting on the sofa trying to keep cool. I have 
in as a as a way of comforting me, I have just had a uh, a cup of tea, because in times of crisis, ladies and gents, uh, that's obviously the 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 way to deal with things. You know, just keep calm and carry on. Have a cup of tea. Have a sit down. Don't panic. Um, just have a cup of tea. Have a little sit down. And uh, just try and remain cool and calm and collected at all times. Um, that's what I'm trying to do. And yes, I, ha- I have drunk my tea from a Luke's English podcast mug, which has helped. Because as we know, drinking tea from a Luke's English podcast mug is scientifically proven. Statistics have shown that uh, Luke's English podcast mugs uh, are uh, able to, first of all, improve the taste of tea by up to 17% and also increase the uh, relaxative, that's not a word, the relaxing, that's the one, relaxing effects of tea by up to uh, 39% as well. Obviously, all these statistics have just been made up on the spot. Um, None of these are actually scientifically accurate statistics. Uh, But as we know, 83.1% of all statistics are just made up on the spot. Um, so why not go, uh, why not just continue in that, in that spirit? Um, so the questions, what's my situation now? What happened? What the bloody hell happened? How do I feel about it? Uh, who voted remain? Who voted leave? Uh, who's responsible for this? Whose fault is it? Why did this result happen? What's going to happen next? Um, and then some comments about different people like David Cameron, uh, the prime minister, Jeremy Corbyn, the labor leader, Nigel Farage, the UKIP leader, and Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, uh, the, the three Brexiteers, uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the leader of the Scottish National Party, and then also some comments from the internet, including some jokes and, and things that I found on Reddit, which made me laugh. Um, uh, so, so, so how do I feel? Um, well, you know, don't you? I feel shocked and stunned um, and tired and uh it's difficult to to explain really um i mean yeah i went to bed in the early hours f- hoping to wake up to a good result but i woke up to bad news um uh, that that the leave side had won i'm still quite stunned by it i'm still quite shocked really um i think that uh it's i think it's the wrong decision I think so. It's hard to tell, isn't it? We don't know. Only time will tell. Um, but based on, you know, the, the thinking that I've done on this over the, the, the last few months, I think this is the wrong decision. But let's wait and see. I mean, it's important to look on the bright side, isn't it? You know, always look on the bright side of life. So to an extent, I'm trying to, to look on the bright side and I'm trying to find the positive side of this. But if I'm weighing up the positives and the negatives, at this point, there are a lot more negatives than positives. What, what could the positives be? Well, one possible positive could be that um, this is a sign of people's dissatisfaction with the current status quo of politics. The, the, the political status quo is not right and that there is uh, obviously a, a large amount of... Um, uh, of uh, inequality. It's not just in politics. It's just generally in terms of wealth and the, the, the haves and the have-nots. And there's a lot of inequality and uh, a lack of balance in society. And a lot of people are really feeling a sense of dissatisfaction. Um, and it's maybe a result of the fact that uh, there's a huge gap in, in wealth and that there's a, a tiny minority who owns all of the wealth, and most other people are really feeling the squeeze, and so people feel like um, they're not represented, and that somehow the political class are not really genuine, and that they don't really care about ordinary people. Uh, there's this lack of trust in in the political system, um, and. This, I think, is a a problem that is widespread. It's not just in the UK, but it's a a problem that's all around the world at the moment, that the the traditional political model and the the established political class is failing us in some way. 
Um, and you can see that in the way that people are responding to the American elections. This is part of the reason why Donald Trump is having so much success, because he's capitalizing on people's lack of trust of the, the, the mainstream uh, political candidates. And instead, there's this sense that people are almost like pressing the self-destruct button. That's how it feels. Like People are so dissatisfied that they don't want to hear the rational, logical arguments from experts anymore. And instead, they just want to hit the self-destruct button. They want to just hit the reset button. You know, Basically, they just want to unplug the country and plug it back in again. You know, it's like they feel like the, the country is a computer that's crashed. And it's like, what do we do? They keep pressing the space bar. You know, when, you know, when you see someone who doesn't really know how to use a computer and there's a problem with their computer, like it's crashed or it's frozen, and their solution is to just keep jamming the buttons and like keep clicking and clicking and clicking. It's like, don't do that. That's just, that's making it worse. Don't click, don't just keep clicking the mouse because that's, you're just, you just keep giving your computer more and more commands. The computer's frozen. You know, just keep clicking, mindlessly clicking and clicking. That's not going to help. You know, you need to take a step back and stop getting angry and just keep, oh, click, 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 until eventually their solution is just to unplug the whole computer from the electrical supply and plug it back in again and just jam the computer back into uh, back into life again. That seems to be what 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 people have done here. It's like it's not working. It's not the whole country's crashed. Just what do we what should we do? Turn it off and turn it on again. You know, just unplug all of the just open up the disk drive and blow into it. <sighs> blow into it, that's it, hit the monitor, slap the monitor, unplug it, and plug it back in again, and maybe that will fix it. That seems to be the level of, of problem solving that's gone on here. Um, it's been pretty basic. People don't seem to want to listen to the the experts or the established sort of intelligent views on this. Instead, they're just like, no, the country's broken, and it's because of Europe. Europe is... Uh, Europe's like undermining our our rights as a democratic nation, so we need to unplug the country and plug it back in again. Um, that seems to be what's going on, something like that. Um, so yeah, maybe this is a symptom of of people's dissatisfaction. And so perhaps one bit of positivity to be taken from this is that somehow this is going to shock the system into sort of some reform of some kind that the system now is going to wake up and politics or politicians are going to start listening to people and engaging with people on a grassroots level in a much more effective manner maybe but maybe it's just too late maybe that's too late maybe what's going to happen is that this isn't going to solve that and essentially what's happened is that the by pulling the UK out of the European Union, we're just giving the country to a new set of um, of elitist politicians. That who's going to inherit the country from the European Union? And obviously, it's it's the right wing um, Brexiteers. It's it's that right wing crowd who are going to take control of the country. Now, are these the right guys and and girls? Are these the right people to? Uh, take control of the country? In my opinion, no. I mean, these are the people that I've I've always disliked, if I'm honest. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I don't like people... I don't really like the views and the position of the right wing because of reasons. Now, I've, I should try to be balanced here. I really should. Obviously, this is an English language learning podcast. I'm not here to use the podcast as a soapbox... I'm not here to stand on a soapbox and give my political views to the world, all right? That's not what I'm here for. Um, the podcast is always has always been here to provide you with like authentic English, right? That's what I'm doing. And I've always tried to do that by giving you my personal take on things. I try not to mediate what I say too much. I try to be balanced and moderate in my opinions, and I try to somehow account for the different opinions that are going around. Um, 
And so, you know, I want to give you a, a sort of personal viewpoint on things so that the language that you get is a sort of natural language rather than some sort of politicized or, or um, um, I don't know, mediated version of the language. I'm just trying to tell you, you know, how I feel and with a view to, to, to speaking in an authentic way, okay? So I understand that some of you out there might disagree with my, my viewpoints, and that's fine. You know, feel free to disagree with me. Um, I think that that's okay. You can disagree with me, you know? I, I don't mind. Um, and that's fine. It, it just means that we're engaging in a, in, a, in a discourse. It just means that we're actually engaging in a, in a conversation, all right? I think it's fine to listen to the views of people that you disagree with, right? Um, and that, that we should accept views that we disagree with. We should be able to listen to views that we disagree with. I think it's, we're, if we get to a point where people don't want to hear um, um, differing views, if they, if they want to just block out any different viewpoints from their own, then that's a dangerous point, you know. So we should always be prepared to listen to the other side. If you if you're not prepared to listen to other people's points of view, then you know you're in trouble essentially because that means that you're you, you're not thinking anymore. You're not prepared to uh, even consider the the validity of other arguments, and and that means that you've stopped thinking. So I I I'm also willing to take into account other points of view, and if you've got a very persuasive argument as to why the UK is better out of Europe or why the European project is is a, a, a toxic idea, if you really believe that, um, then feel free to, to tell me why, okay? But you need to explain your argument uh, with evidence and, and reasons, okay? I want to hear the reasons. I'm not just going to... I'm not just going to hear words like the European Union destroys sovereignty. It's a plan to take over the sovereignty of nations. I'm not just going to accept that. I know that sounds powerful, but those words alone are not going to convince me. I need to know exactly how you think the European Union is undermining the sovereignty of all the member states. How exactly? I want you to break it down for me, okay? Because I have had a couple of comments on the website a minority, a, a, definitely a minority, but it's not just on my website. I've read them in comments sections on YouTube videos, on newspaper articles, on Facebook messages and things like that. I've seen these comments and if you're one of those people who believes that the European Union is bad uh, and that it's a toxic idea, tell me why. I need that to be broken down, okay? And I don't want to just hear the sort of um, simple... Um, reductive arguments. I want to. I, I need you to explain it to me because it's not clear. And just saying the European Union is an anti or undemocratic uh, project. How? I. I mean, look. I understand that the European project is. It has some um, undemocratic elements, and that that's kind of part of the system. That they, you know, they they need to have broad access to legislative systems in all the member states in order to pass legislation that applies to the whole zone. All right, and they want to, they do want to centralise it, and maybe that's a problem. All right, maybe there's an issue there that it's too centralised, and that that doesn't really t sort of take into account uh, the the importance of of a sense of independence in the member states. All right. Now I understand that that's a small that's a small that's an issue it's an issue right um but let's not go to some extreme position where we say where we 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 take it to the the extreme uh end point the end game position which is like that the European Union is some sort of quasi neo-fascist sort of super state which has been suggested I mean there've been some crazy ideas like that the EU uh, is a plan that was originally created by uh, the Nazis. Um, I, I'm sorry, don't try and convince me that it's it's Nazi plan point two, you know? Um, and if, and, you know, I need to be given really clear point-by-point point reasons for why that's the case. And don't just jump to conclusions, okay? Because you've got strong feelings on the subject. I need it to be broken down. Okay, so you can you can you can see, can't you, that uh, 
Um, this is a complex situation. I'm trying not to be... Um, what's the word for it? I'm trying not to be subjective. I'm trying to be reasonable, okay? And all I'm doing is asking everyone else to be reasonable too. Um, and I'm, I'm willing, very willing to hear, you know, rational and reasonable uh, arguments with evidence, okay? So if you've got them, if you've got those arguments, let me know. Um, so... Um, I feel a bit sickened. I feel a little bit sick. I'll be honest. I feel a bit sick. It's like when, you know, that feeling of when you feel like, oh my God, something bad has happened. Like, for example, or I, I don't know, let's say, for example, you've just, you've just realized that you've locked yourself out of your flat. You've locked yourself out of the flat. You know that feeling where you've just, you close the door and then you're like, oh oh god I haven't got my key oh god I left the key, the keys in the flat and you get that f- sick feeling in the pit of your stomach which is which is a sort of a oh like a, a panic or a, a sense of sickness because you kind of your mind is trying to catch up with how serious that is and you think oh god did I leave the oven on uh, are there any windows open um how bad is this going to be? And your mind is trying to catch up with the seriousness of the situation. And as a result, you get this, I, I get this sort of seasick feeling in my stomach because there's so many different things going on in my head. I've been listening to BBC radio all day and listening to all the different points of view and things like that. Ah, oh dear. Like one of the reasons that I'm feeling a bit upset about this is that, um, um, so the, 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 the Brexit campaigners like Nigel Farage have been banging on about taking our country back from the European Union. That's been one of their main arguments, right? It's broken down to, we need to take back our country, we need to take control again, and we need to take control of our borders. And those are the main arguments they've had. They, they've basically lost the economic argument. And that, there's evidence of that already, as we've seen, the, the economy is, is plunging, it's uh, the pound has plummeted in value. Uh, obviously, the economy is uh, suffering already as a result. And, you know, jobs are already under threat. And it's going to be bad for the economy. We don't know how bad. It could It could send the UK's economy into a, a genuine crisis. There could be a, a recession. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen or how, this, how badly this is going to affect people. Um, um, so... That's the economic argument and and other arguments, you know, that I've been through, like security and and um, and, and other things. Um, but yeah, we need to take Britain back. And there's been a lot of nationalism, and they they they've been arguing that they're protecting the United Kingdom, that they're doing it for the UK, and that they're somehow. It's Nigel Farage today announced this victory as Britain's Independence Day. He's announced it as like a great moment for Britain. I think that in reality, though, this could be the beginning of the end for, for, for Britain. The UK, as we know it, could start to disintegrate at this point, right? Um, because Scotland, first of all, Scotland voted broadly to remain in the European Union. Scotland wants to stay in the European Union and they, they, they clearly want to stay. Northern Ireland also want to stay in the European Union. England and Wales want to leave. So there's a split there um, between England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. And Scotland in particular, uh, well, it's definite now they're they're going to go for another referendum. Nicola Sturgeon, the leader of the Scottish National Party, said today that the conditions have been met, that they are now going to push for another referendum. And it could happen within the next few months. Uh, that Scotland could vote again on independence. And if and when that referendum happens, the chances are that they're going to vote to leave the UK and they'll go back to the European Union, all right? Um, Because they all want to stay in the EU. So uh, we're we're going to lose Scotland. Uh, Northern Ireland, what's going to happen there? They voted to remain as well. And that's a complicated scenario because Northern Ireland, as we know, has had lots of issues in the past. Um, And I mean, the last 20 years or so have been relatively peaceful. They've been the the most peaceful 15 to 20 years in 
the like the last hundred years in Northern Ireland. It's been a really peaceful period, and that's largely been as a result of stability that's that's come from EU membership. The the European Union really helped to bring some lasting peace to to Northern Ireland. And now that we're going to leave, what's going to happen? A lot of these things are in question. There's a border there. Uh, Northern Ireland has a border with Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, which is in the EU. Um, so there will be an actual land border. How's that going to be? How's that going to work? Is it going to be heavily policed? Is there going to be heavy security on the border? How's that going to affect you know the way that people move in and out between the two countries there? Um, and what's Northern Ireland going to do? Are they going to campaign for a referendum to leave the UK as well? Um, is this going to stoke up? Um, uh, disagreements in in the region again because there are also plenty of people who passionately believe that uh, Northern Ireland should be part of the UK. There's the whole loyalist movement. Is that going to come back? Are we going to see a return to these ugly and bitter um, conflicts that we had there? Um, you know, it, we might end up with some sort of divided, broken up United Kingdom. So all of this, gr- all this talk of of national pride, uh, they might have just broken the United Kingdom by um, by getting us out of the European Union. Um, oh dear! So I'm a bit sick and tired of all this stuff now. Um, Britain is now quite clearly divided um, as various cracks are showing along the lines of age and region and social class. All right. Age. Let's talk about age. So, um, who voted Remain? Well, it wasn't just Scotland and uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, other people who voted Remain were uh, cosmopolitan areas in England, especially London. It seems that London largely voted Remain. And it was young people, um, liberal, university-educated people and young people who voted Remain. But who voted Leave? Largely, the people who voted Leave were from England, but not London. So all the lot of a lot of other areas in England, particularly people who feel that their needs or wishes have not been catered for, uh, it's often working class people who feel that their jobs are essentially under threat from immigrants. People who live in in uh, slightly more disadvantaged communities that don't feel that their interests are being met by the the current system. These are the ones who've voted to leave and old people. Um, so people over 65 years old um, overwhelmingly voted to leave. And yet it's the old people who, who are not going to have to live, frankly, they're not going to be the ones who have to live long term with the effects of this this decision. So the old people voted to leave, the young people voted to remain, and yet it's the young people who, who are going to have to live with this decision. So uh, there's a d- big divide between the old and the young. Uh, there's a big divide, divide in terms of region. Scotland, Northern Ireland and London basically voted to uh, remain and most of England and surprisingly Wales voted to, to leave so there's a, a, a division there in terms of region and divisions in social class as well, because it seems that uh, a lot of working class communities uh, voted to leave because I guess they feel that the European Union doesn't really speak to them. It's not really looking out for them and they don't really understand it. And also, this is partly because of the way in which the Leave campaign um, persuaded them to vote. I, I think that there's... A lot of this is because of the nature of the Leave campaign, that people like Nigel Farage have been focusing on the feelings um, and the motivations of um, sort of the little Englander and the the the, the working class Englander, um, playing on their feelings of insecurity over the job market, playing on their sense of isolation from politics in general pointing the finger at the European Union, um, pointing, pointing the finger at um, basically the, the continent f- and, and sort of, uh, manipulating that 
sense of national pride and that sense of distrust of, of, of all things foreign. Now, I'm not saying it's all working class people or, you know, who voted uh, leave and all of the middle class educated people who voted uh, remain. I'm sure it's divided up a lot, but we can see broadly looking at the vote, the voting uh, statistics that uh, there is a general pattern there. Um, what's going to happen next Whose fault is this? Okay, whose fault is this? Um, well, I talked about the Leave campaign and their manipulative messages and misinformation. Now, all right, uh, um, so, all right, the, the UK and specifically England, all right, England and maybe Wales in this case, they, they have always been a little bit Eurosceptic. There's always been this sense of scepticism about Europe. It probably comes from the geography, the sense that we are separate from, from Europe. And so there is this this slight sense of isolation, which we feel quite comfortable with, or a lot of people feel comfortable with, right? So there's that sense of isolation and scepticism about Europe. But I'm not convinced that most English people are so sceptical and mistrustful of Europe, so, that, you know, that they don't like Europe to such an extent that they are willing to gamble the future completely on it and to gamble the economy on it and to gamble with people's jobs and livelihoods and, you know, to um, vote leave even when all of the the experts agree that it would be a bad idea. I think it's more than just people's sort of innate sense of um, scepticism about the European Union. I think there's more to it than that. And I think to an extent there's been manipulation here from the, the Leave campaign's message. Their sort of propaganda, essentially. Um, you know, a lot of um, uh, fairly hate-filled um, stuff in, in, in the um, Leave campaign's propaganda. I mean, okay, to be, to be balanced, though, I could also say that the, the Remain camp used a lot of fear in their campaign, they used the, the fear card, suggesting that if we left the European Union, that it could, you know, cause uh, World War Three. David Cameron suggested that that we could end up with World War Three if we if we leave. And so there, you know, the, the the Remain campaign used a lot of fear as well and a lot of underhanded tactics. But I think that there's been a lot of um, manipulation in in the in the Leave campaign uh, too. So uh, that's. That's kind of part of the reason why we left and why that natural scepticism has been um, exacerbated or, or, or sort of uh, uh, exaggerated. Um, David Cameron is going to bear a lot of responsibility for this because he's the one who called the referendum in the first place. And then maybe, you know, he did a very bad job on, on trying to renegotiate the terms of our membership and he didn't um, campaign for Remain convincingly enough. Um, Jeremy Corbyn as well is going to bear a lot of the responsibility for this. He's the Labour Party's leader. And um, frankly, he didn't do a very good job of convincing everyone that leaving was a bad idea. He was not very passionate about it. His message um, wasn't clear. In fact, I think a lot of Labour supporters weren't really sure about the party's position on it. In fact, there was this sense even with Jeremy Corbyn that Maybe he didn't really like the European Union. And um, so he wasn't convincing. He wasn't clear about his position. And so I think he bears some responsibility for this too. He was just not very passionate, not very clear about uh, his his uh, message to remain. Um, so that's probably part of it, that a lot of working class people who normally would vote Labour are voting against the European Union because... Frankly, they hadn't been given a convincing argument to stay. And instead, you've got people like Nigel Farage speaking directly to their hearts and their feelings about, you know, issues that feel relevant to them. Um, so Nigel, not Nigel Farage, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is going to bear some responsibility. Um, David Cameron, by the way, has made a statement this morning. He made a statement and he's resigned. He's going to step down as Prime Minister, and uh, not immediately. He's going to step down in October. Um, he's not going to quit straight away because that would be too disruptive. And 
now, I guess, what, what the government is trying to do is create some stability. They've got to try and create stability here to prevent any more shocking effects on the economy and the financial markets. We don't want people to lose confidence. Uh, we don't want people to sort of panic and freak out. The last thing we need is uh, after this sort of uh, disruptive referendum result for uh, the country suddenly to, to go into um, like an identity crisis over their leader. So we don't need a leadership campaign uh, and a new prime minister right away, but we will get a new prime minister in October. And um, that's interesting because um, th- our new prime minister will not be voted for by by the electorate. The, the Conservative Party are going to vote for their, their new leader. So in October, unless there is a new general election, which might happen, unless there's a general election called, uh, the Conservatives will vote for a new leader in October. And so we will get a new Prime Minister who is unelected by, by the people. And it's probably going to be Boris Johnson. He's probably the favourite candidate at this stage. So what could easily happen is that David Cameron is going to step down in October and he'll be replaced by Boris Johnson, who will be our sort of um, right-wing, unelected prime minister. It doesn't sound good. Um, It doesn't really sound good. And then what we're going to have is um, Boris Johnson as the leader of the UK, out of Europe, And, I mean, with this kind of crazy stuff going on, what's going to happen next? Donald Trump's going to become president? Well, it feels more and more possible, doesn't it? We started thinking it was just a ridiculous idea, but the way things are going, next thing you know, Donald Trump's going to be in charge of the the world's largest uh, economic and military power. Then what? Uh, Well, yeah, what's going on? Why are these crazy people with terrible haircuts getting into positions of power? What is happening? Um, is that all you need? Like just madcap ideas and uh, ridiculous haircuts? I don't know. It's it's pretty weird. So um, yeah, David Cameron has resigned. He's going to be replaced. We'll probably get Boris Johnson. We'll then have some sort of right wing government. Maybe we will end if there's a general election, uh, and they might do that. They might call a general election. As to have a sort of general reshuffle of all the MPs in the Houses of Parliament. And if that happens, then I imagine that UKIP will get lots of votes because Nigel Farage is now sort of victorious. So he's he's enjoying lots of coverage and po- uh, uh, popularity, and he's going to look like a winner. So if, if we do have a general election, UKIP will probably get lots more seats in the House of Commons, and they might even be in a position to form some sort of hybrid coalition government with the Conservatives. And imagine that, Nigel Farage in, in, in the cabinet or something. It doesn't bear thinking about, in my opinion. Um, oh, dear. Uh, well, I don't know what else to say, really. I don't know what else to say. There's, there's, there's lots of stuff, lots more stuff to talk about. Um, I wonder how the rest of the world thinks about this. Certainly the right-wing people in Europe are going to have a a lovely time this weekend. They'll be celebrating this as a victory for the right-wing, for the um, Eurosceptics in other countries, like uh, Marine Le Pen, the leader of the National Front in France. This is She considers this to be a victory. She put it on to Twitter today that this is a victory for anti-EU, the anti-EU movement um, and other Eurosceptics will now start campaigning for referendums in their countries. So like the Netherlands, the the Eurosceptics in in the Netherlands are going to campaign for a referendum. Probably uh, the National Front in France, uh, in Denmark, in other places as well. And maybe we're going to this is going to be the beginning of the end for the European Union. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe the EU is going to reform itself and somehow fix some of the problems that caused uh the the uh the UK's referendum in the first place, or maybe not. Um, Certainly what's going to have to happen is that the UK is going to need to renegotiate a lot of things with the European Union. They're going to have to try and renegotiate stuff. The EU is the UK's biggest market. We buy 
loads of stuff from the EU, and we sell loads of stuff to the EU as well. In fact, something like 40 to 50% of our trade goes into the European Union. So what's going to happen there? There's going to have to be, everything's going to have to be renegotiated. We're going to have to change the, the, the laws relating to the way that we do business with, with the single market. And I mean, the Brexiteers will say that we'll be able, we're now in a position to um, uh, um, negotiate trade deals with everyone else in the world. Um, but I think they overestimate our power to to negotiate. I think that we don't have that much value. Certainly now that we are, now that our currency is is dropping and our, our markets are crashing, it's not a secure time. I don't know. So maybe we're going to see some more uh, exits. And um, so I, I went on the internet and had a look and I've, I found some pages on Reddit and here are some Brexit dad jokes. So a dad joke is like a, a crappy joke, like a rubbish pun. The sort of terrible joke that your dad makes, okay? A lot of my jokes are dad jokes. You know, like the, the Russian joke is obviously a dad joke. It's the sort of crap joke that your dad would tell. It's like, uh, oh, where, where are you from, Russia? Well, you're Ru- Russian, are you? Well, you weren't Russian to come here because you're late. That's a dad joke. And there are lots of dad jokes going around on, on Reddit about different countries that might leave the European Union and the different names and nicknames that we could get. So we've had Brexit, which is Britain's exit. We've had Grexit, which was the Greek exit. What's next? Now, what about Portugal? If Portugal leave, what are we going to get? Departugal? Departugal. That's if Portugal depart from the EU. Departugal. What about Italy? If Italy leave, we might have Italyve. If, if the Czech Republic go out... We might have check out. If Austria go out, we might have Austria. Huh? What do you think? If Finland decide to, to finish with the uh, EU, we might have Finnish. Slovakia, Slovakia out. Um, Belgium, Belgium, like by Belgium. Uh, not the strongest one, that one, is it? Uh, what about Austria? How about Austria la vista, baby? Um, Romania, instead of Romania, Romania, I guess that would mean they would stay. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Here's, a, here's an Angela Merkel joke. All right. Brace yourselves for an Angela Merkel, Merkel joke. So Angela Merkel arrives in Athens airport in Greece. Nationality, asks the immigration officer. German, she replies. Occupation? No, I'm just here for a few days. Tumbleweed. <laughs> Tumbleweed moment um, in the world of Luke's English podcast. Let me repeat that for you. Ang- Angela Merkel, the German leader, arrives in Athens airport. Nationality, asks the immigration officer. German, she replies. Occupation? No, just here for a few days. An occupation, or, you know, like in a, in a war situation when one country enters another country and takes control of it, you can say they occupy the other country. It's an occupation. Like, you know, for example, in World War II. I don't mean to bring up World War II again. I thought we'd got over that. But anyway, just using World War II as an example, you could say that the Germans occupied France. There was a, a German occupation of France during World War II and other European countries. All right, But also, occupation means job. You know, what's your occupation? I'm a teacher. Okay. So, nationality, German. Occupation, no, I'm just here for a few days. Ha, 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 ha. Um, What about countries joining Europe? How about Norwegian? Norwegian or Switzerland? They switch. They switch from being out to being in. Huh? Yeah. Um, what about if Spain come in? Maybe we can have Spain. Spain. It works. To be honest, that one works better in in writing. Um, uh, uh, Switzerland. That would be if Switzerland quit. It doesn't work because they they're not in the European Union. Um, uh, any others? Any others? Uh, um, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Deutschland. Deutschland. Yeah. Deutschland. 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 
if if Germany go out. Nah. It's pretty weak stuff, isn't it? E-euthanasia. That's quite good. Euthanasia, that's like assisted suicide, isn't it? Which is uh, it's quite appropriate today. Uh, E-euthanasia has happened in the uh, European Union today. <laughs> oh, dear. Scootland. Scootland. To scoot means to leave. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to scoot. I better be going. Time to scoot. So you might have Scootland, Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, dear. I, I don't know if I can continue. <sighs> I'm sure that I've missed things. I'm sure that I missed ideas and thoughts that I had earlier on today. Um, this morning, the, the day's basically been a write-off. I've just written the day off. I I didn't really think I could achieve anything. I've been walking around in a daze, like, oh, what what's going on? Did we really leave? Did we really leave? Like, you know, f- sort of walking through the streets in a sort of a, a weird daze, not really uh, in tune with reality, just sort of uh, stopping at the newspaper stands and looking at the headlines. Like, is it really true? Stopping people in the street and holding them by their shoulders. Is it really true? Is it really, is this just a dream? Uh, it's not a dream, though. It's a reality that it's actually happening. In fact, right now, as we speak, uh, the United Kingdom is slowly breaking away uh, from uh, mainland Europe. It's drifting now out into the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. It's just a drift, uh, breaking up as it moves. It's like it's like a sort of a an iceberg. It's just drifted off in, into the Atlantic, causing untold damage as it goes to international trade, shipping, hitting the the, the Brexit iceberg, all sorts of container ships con, con, containing uh, consumer goods are crashing as you know tangible goods and economic assets plunge to the depths. Can you see what I'm doing here, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going off on a sort of uh, an allegorical rant about the effects of Brexit, using it as an iceberg, using an iceberg as an as an image. So the iceberg of Brexit, the iceberg of Brexit uh, today uh, has split up and is causing untold damage across Atlantic trade routes. Um, yeah, so there's Britain. Um, drifting out into the Atlantic Ocean with Boris Johnson, Nigel Farage and Michael Gove paddling desperately towards the United States, uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, swim across to the United States to create some sort of special relationship. They're going to get there and they'll discover that Donald Trump has taken over control and, and Trump is like, uh, you know, he's built a wall or something. I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gents. I just don't know. What I'm going to do now is stop recording this, upload it for your listening pleasure, uh, and then I'm going to just do something else. I think I might play Grand Theft Auto V just to take my mind off it. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a murderous rampage in a virtual uh, Los Angeles. I'm going to blow up some police cars or something in Grand Theft Auto V, and then I'm going to have another cup of tea, and then I'm probably going to sit in in the corner and weep for a while, uh, and then I'm going to wander out into the street again, bleary-eyed, blinking into the into the sunlight, uh, wandering around, uh, rubbing my eyes, and wondering if it's all just a dream or not. <sighs> Maybe this is going to be all right. Maybe everything's going to be okay. Maybe thousands of people's jobs are not going to be lost. Maybe all the Polish people who are in love with English people and who've, you know, started relationships. Maybe all of these romantic relationships are are not going to get broken off somehow. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not going to be that bad. Maybe we're all, everything's going to be reasonable. Everyone's going to find a solution. There'll be a simple solution. Maybe I won't have to leave France. Maybe I won't be forced to take all of my stuff and put it in a car and drive home. Maybe I won't be forced to say goodbye to all of my friends that I've made here. Um, Maybe I won't have to quit my job. Maybe I won't have to lose loads of money as I try to move back into my flat. And maybe my my tenant in London won't have to leave. Uh, maybe 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 this won't cost me thousands of pounds. You know? Maybe my wife and I might, won't have to, to separate for, for months. Maybe she won't have to 
quit her job in order to try and find work in in the UK. Maybe maybe that won't happen. Maybe um, maybe the UK um, won't break up. You know, maybe England, Northern Ireland, and Wales will will all win the Euros. Um, maybe everything's going to be all right, or maybe it won't. Maybe it won't be all right. Maybe this is going to cause untold levels of confusion and disruption. Maybe the pound is going to drop even further. Maybe this is going to cause greater uncertainty across global markets. Uh, Maybe it's not going to have any effect on immigration. Maybe what's going to happen is that border control in Calais is just going to let all the immigrants get in their boats and try and make their way into into the UK. Maybe illegal immigration is going to rise as a result of this, as all of these unchecked uh, economic migrants who've come through the European Union try to get into the country, and they'll come in without any status. They won't be protected. They won't be looked after by uh, the, the human rights that, that applies across the Euro um, area. You know, maybe... Maybe people will try to get into the UK secretly on boats. God help them. God help them. People are still going to want to come into the country, for goodness sake, and they'll risk it. They will. They'll risk it because there won't be safely regulated methods for them to come in. So they're just going to risk it, aren't they? I hope they don't. I I hope that they don't try and paddle across the English Channel on some makeshift uh, dinghy in the middle of the night, with no one looking after them. I hope they don't do that. Um, And I hope that when they arrive, people do look after them. I don't know. I also worry about the culture in the United Kingdom. What's the culture going to be like now? Now that the right-wing sort of anti-immigration people have had a victory. I don't... I, I wouldn't like to be a foreigner in the UK today. It's not a victory for progressive, open-minded, tolerant attitudes towards other people. Now, I know that not everyone who voted Leave is some sort of small-minded small-minded xenophobe. Of course, of course not. But a lot of the people who did vote Leave are like that, and they're going to feel justified. They're going to feel like their views are somehow okay. They're going to think that it's okay to... Uh, to dish out um, hatred and negativity on buses and in on trains and in the street when they meet people who feel who they feel don't deserve to be in our country anymore they're going to feel vindicated by this victory. I worry about the culture in the UK and I worry about all of the decent people. I don't mean to say decent people, because this is a word that's been used by Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage said that this is a victory for de- for decent people. It's a victory for good, honest and decent people. Really, Nigel? So what does that make me? What am I then, as a person who supported the Remain campaign? What am I? Am I not a decent person, Nigel? There's a load of bullshit around this whole story. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Um... And uh, just remember what I said before. If you've got arguments on the other side, if you disagree with me, that's totally cool, all right? And in fact, what I ask you to do is just express those ideas in, in a... Try to express them in a logical, structured, uh, and reasonable way uh, with evidence that will convince me because I am ready and willing to be convinced, okay? Because I I like to have an open mind and I like to keep thinking, all right? I like to keep thinking. I want you to keep thinking too, ladies and gentlemen, all right? Keep thinking. Don't stop when your heart when your heart starts beating, all right? Don't stop thinking at that point. Keep going. Use your brain and Make your brain work for you, okay? This is something that we all need to do, right? And I'm not just talking about politics. Use that brain that you've got, that clever brain that you've used to learn good English, that good, healthy brain that you've used to deal with the complexities of learning a foreign language to the point in which you can follow me as I talk to you about this subject. Use that brain um, to keep coming up with solutions, all right? Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. And I'm going to have another cup of tea and I'm going to take a deep breath 
and I'm going to have a nice day. All right? All right. Okay, let's stay positive, keep calm, and carry on. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Speak to you again soon. Bye, 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 bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.